Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, if you're visiting with us today, I'm excited that you're here. We're in the middle of a message series entitled Finish. And uh, the first week we talked a lot about starting and how do you start a goal this new year and how do you end up finishing it. And we said sometimes in order to start it, you've got to make sure you stop something so that you can start it. And then last week, Pastor Aaron shared with you specifically about what it means to finish together uh, this year. And so today we're going to go into a different route. And uh, the, the truth is, if I give you a little perspective into my life, um, sometimes I can get distracted. I don't know about you. Uh, but I could be cleaning something and I could be doing something and I have a goal that's set. And then all of a sudden, um, a couple hours later, Jennifer might come into the house and say, um, did you leave the milk out? Oh yeah, sorry. I got distracted. Um, and so I don't know about you, but I get distracted at times. In fact, uh, some of us get more distracted than others. Uh, the truth is though, when we try to set our goals, um, we get distracted and uh, here, if, if you want to sleep for the next 20 minutes, stay awake for the next minute because I want to give you um, really the, the, the main focus of the message and then you can go to sleep. But um, I, I believe God really, really does want us to finish. And um, I believe there's two places that we end up. I believe some of us in this room, we're either on a mountaintop or some of us are in a valley. And uh, the question is, is where are you and what does God expect of us? Because um, I'll say this before we start. It's not good to be on the mountaintop too long. It's not good to be in the valley too long either. And Jesus is going to show us this. And if you're, not, if you're new to the Bible, I'm going to um, take us to one passage of Scripture. It's in uh, the book of Mark. It's in the New Testament. And it's one of my favorite. Um, I've been to Israel a few times, and uh, I've been on a mountain that Jesus is about to bring some people up. And it's called uh, Mount Tabor. And it's also known as the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus is specifically going to take a few of his buddies, and, and he wants to take them up there because he wants to show them something. He wants to grab their attention and he wants to remind him of something. And then you're going to see something happen there, but then you're going to see right after it, he's going to descend from the mountaintop into a valley, into a whole other situation. And I believe that many of us can identify with either the mountaintop experience or the valley experience. But I can promise you, God doesn't want us to hang out in either places too long. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 2. I'm going to set it up here. If you have your iPads, your iPhones, if you have the Version Bible app, you also have the notes provided for you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about it, explain some things, um, and you can focus right up here if you'd like as well. Here we go. It says, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain to be alone. If you're new to the Bible, I want to just draw your attention for a second. Um, it's really important you take your time. Because there's so much that we miss. I, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. There's so much to this story. And, and even this uh, last week, actually, when I was prepping for this message, I was looking at this and I stopped and I said, you know, God, I've, I've preached this so many times and I've learned from this story, but I never, I never really paused on this. And, um, and the thing that God really spoke to me is, you know, Terry, there's going to be times where I intentionally want to take you somewhere. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and by the way, they were his three closest of the disciples. Peter, James, and John were the ones in his inner circle. Um, but Jesus paused for a moment in time and said, Peter, James, and John, I want you to follow up with me. And we're going to go by ourselves, and I'm going to take you to the mountain. Now, I'm going to explain what the mountain is in just a, a second. But there are times in our lives where God wants to grab our attention and say, Terry, you're not on the mountain. You might be trying to climb it. You might be in the valley, but you're not here. 
And I want you to come to the mountain alone because I want you to have my attention. I want my attention to be solely in your eyes. So for some of you, if you're not on the mountaintop right now, it could be that God is speaking into you saying, I need to meet with you and I want to draw you there by yourself because I have something to tell you. So let's, let me kind of foreshadow a little bit. Why does God take people to the mountaintops? In fact, do you know the Old Testament, if you're new to the Bible, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there's a lot of history and a lot of stories about prophets. But in the Old Testament, it actually speaks to what happens on this mountaintop in the New Testament. It foreshadows this event actually happening. So in order to set it up, let me show you in the Old Testament about what's going to happen in just a second. This comes from Malachi chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. It says this, Remember to obey the law, which is the truth of Moses, my servant. All the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Elijah was known as the defender of God. God is known as truth. And so Elijah is the defender of truth. And all of a sudden we see in Malachi, it says, I'm going to send you Elijah. He's the defender of God, the defender of truth. You've got to make sure that you listen to him. Now watch this. This is how comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Again, Old Testament. Then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words, which is truth, in his mouth. And he will tell the people everything I command him. And he's again talking about Jesus. And he's talking about this moment. And so here he is saying, Jesus is going to be up on a mountain and I want you to listen to what he has to say. Listen to the words that's coming out of his mouth. So for those of you that have been awake longer than I expected you to, here's the point. God will have us go to the top of the mountain so that we can hear truth. All of us need truth from time to time. There are times when I act like a jerk. And I need somebody close to me to say, Terry, I need to talk to you for a second because you're being a jerk. I'm the only one who's going to tell you the truth. But what you said or what you did, that wasn't right. And nobody else is going to say, they're going to talk behind your back and stab you in the back. I'm going to say it to your face. You are a jerk and you need to do this. We all need truth from time to time. Husbands, you need truth from time to time. Wives, you need truth. Who are the people that are speaking into your life? So, coming all full circle, New Testament, Jesus in the book of Mark is saying to Peter, James, and John, I want to draw you up to the top of this mountain because I want to speak truth into your lives. Let's take a look at it right now. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah, remember Elijah, the defender of God, is up on this mountain. And Moses, who is Moses? He received the truth from God himself. The Ten Commandments appeared and began talking with Jesus. If you ever wonder what was happening, Peter, James, and John are up on the mountain. Peter, James, and John, if you ever want to hear the truth, you're going to hear the truth now. Because here's Elijah, the defender of my truth, and here's Moses, the receiver of my truth, and here's Jesus, the one who speaks the truth. And so here they all are on the mountaintop. For some of us in this room, let me camp for just a second. It's been a long time since you've been on the mountain of truth. There are a lot of personalities in this room. Some of you, you want the truth. 
You want people to tell you exactly how they feel or what they think. You go seeking for the truth. Hey, how was that? Was that okay? How did I do? Give me feedback. I really want to, did I mess up? I want to hear it. Did did I do okay? I I want to hear it. You were self-aware enough where you say, I want truth. Honey, was I okay? Honey, did that meet your expectations? Honey, is this okay? All of these things, you seek truth. But however, there are many of us in this room because of things like insecurity, things like, I don't want people to know that I'm really struggling this. We don't ever want to pause and come to the mountain and to hear truth. We forge a path and we keep moving and we don't want to listen to any kind of criticism or critique or anything. No, no, no. I'm right. The way I think is right. What I do is right. I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to believe that. I don't want to hear that. My boss says this. I don't care. He's wrong. I'm always right. If you've ever worked your life and a boss is always wrong, I can probably say that the finger should be probably pointed at you. Because there's many of us in this room that refuse to go to the mountain of truth. And so for some of you, this might be your truth today. That God wants to draw you to the mountain of truth and you need to pause and you need to understand and be seeking the truth, not only from others, but obviously from God himself. Now we're we're on the mountaintop and in a second we're going to be in the valley, but I want you to hear one last thing about the mountaintop. Some of us love to live on the mountaintop. God, I just want to be on the mountaintop. I always want to stay on the mountaintop. In fact, in this passage, I don't have time today, but if you actually read the Bible and you today go home and read after this part in Mark 9, it actually says that the disciples wanted to stay on the mountain. Okay, forget the world. We just love hanging out here with you, Jesus, Moses, God. Let's just stay here forever. It's going to be amazing. This is awesome. Forget everything else. Let's just hang out here. Jesus is looking and saying, you still don't get it. You have a mission. Yeah, you need to come get truth, but then you need to do something with that truth. And some of us, we love hanging up here and singing songs about God and saying, yay, God, and we like to live up here in the truth, but we're not doing anything with it. There are some that have been going to Bible study groups for 40 years, and you've been receiving so much truth that you can't take anymore. And if I asked you, what are you doing with that truth? Some of you would say, I just go to church. I go to my Bible study group. I go to church and I go home. You're missing it. You're like Peter, James, and John. Hey, let's just stay up here on the mountain forever and have a great time. No, 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 no. Receive my truth. Get off the mountaintop and go and be on mission and do something. There's a great show. Everybody watch Shark Tank? You ever watch the show Shark Tank? If you don't watch the show, it's basically you got a bunch of inventors and one by one, they come into this room and there are five, usually five individuals who have a lot of resources and they have the ability to help an inventor get their product to market. And so I was watching one time and there was a guy who showed up with a product. I don't remember what the product was, but I'll never forget what was said. He comes in and they, they said, well, tell me about your past. And he said, oh, I invented this thing. And it was a very popular thing. They go, that was you? Yeah, I invented this. And so that's not the product you're here for. No, no, no. I have a new product. And they said, well, tell us about your old product. So he began to share a story. And he said this, boy, he said, I had nothing. And I worked day and night. I, I invested all my time, my energy, my resources that I had, and I poured into this product. And I fought day and night, and I finally got it to market, and it became a great success. And they all cheered him. Way to go, way to go. They said, okay, tell us about this new product. So he began to unpack this new product. And about halfway through, the inventor, the, the five people on the investment side were not impressed with his presentation. And Mr. Wonderful, who sits in the middle, made a statement that I won't forget because it's a very truthful statement. And Mr. Wonderful looked at the inventor and said, 
you've lost your edge. The guy goes, what do you mean? And he said this. He said, you've been on the mountain. This is what Mr. Wonderful You've been on the mountain too long. You had great success with your first product that you've forgotten what it means to struggle. You got to the mountaintop because you understood that every decision was life or death for you. But now you're very comfortable and you've got this new product and you're making worse decisions than you did when you're with your first product. You're not being careful. You're not focused. You've been on the mountain too long. And when you're on the mountain too long, you can become distracted. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The mountaintop experience can distract you from your goals. I mentioned earlier, there are, I've been to several churches and I can tell you, there are some godly people in some amazing churches and they've been going to Bible study for 20, 30 years, neighborhood groups for 20, 30 years. And I love them to death. They're in church every single Sunday. But if I were to look at them and say, what did you do this week to tell someone else about Jesus? They would look sometimes and go, oh, well, I, I really, I, I didn't. What did you do this week? Last week we learned about love. What did you do this week with your spouse to show her love? Well, I, I really, I really, in other words, you're getting all this truth but you're not doing anything with it. You've become distracted. So some of you have been on the mountain too long and God's pouring truth into you and saying, now do something with it. So Jesus looks at Peter, James, and John coming back around and he says to them, guys, we can't hang out here. You know the truth now. You know that I'm the son of God. You know that there is a bigger purpose. Now let's get off this mountaintop and let's go to work. And so Peter, James, and John start heading down the mountain and they're going to end up in the valley. And in the valley, there's a much different scene. So take a look here. This is Mark 9, 14 to 18. When they returned to the other disciples, the disciples are down in the valley. They saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of the religious law were arguing with them. Just pause. Let's just say something. Here are the disciples who are trying to do what God wants. And then here are the religious teachers of the law, the defenders of God's truth. God's leaders. And they're at the bottom of a mountain. And instead of doing something, what are they doing? They're arguing. They're distracted from what God wants. That's a lesson for ministry leaders. That's a lesson for deacons. That's a lesson for servant leaders. Too often sometimes we get so focused on arguing about things that we lose mission. And Jesus comes off the mountain to his people who are defenders of the truth and they're all arguing. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. He foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now, when we read scripture, sometimes we bypass these stories as just stories, but this is a real person. This is a real dad. This is a dad, if I were to tell you his story and you look historically, this is a dad who is shunned by his community. Because you see, if you had a son like that, because that son would often try to kill himself because he's possessed by a spirit. And so that dad, night and day, would have to watch over his son to make sure his son didn't die. Which meant that the dad had a very difficult time finding any kind of work for two reasons. Number one, he had to take care of his son. But number two, in the community during biblical times, if you had a situation like that, you were shunned by the community. Nobody wanted to be around you because you must be doing something wrong by God to have this happen to you. And so here you have a dad. If you're a parent in this room, I want you to think of your son 
And I want you to think of them having this. And I want you to look with those kind of eyes. And this dad cares for his son enough to sacrifice his whole life for him. And I can imagine this dad being given up in the valley for so long because this has been taken a long time on this son since early years. And this dad is in his house hearing his son kicking and screaming, thrashing, yelling, breaking things in the house. And I could just imagine this dad sitting down somewhere and putting his head in his hands and saying, God, when is this going to stop? And a neighbor comes over, knocks on the door and says, the disciples are here. The disciples are here. They've been healing. You should come. Maybe this is the day. If you were in that position and you had years with your son going through this and you were shunned by the community, would you believe something could change? Because this community is difficult. In fact, historically, did you know how people looked at kids? This is just kids. I want, I want you to see what the community used to look and treat kids like during biblical times. Take a look at this. this an infant could be abandoned without penalty or social stigma for many reasons, including an anomalous appearance, being an illegitimate child or grandchild or a child of infidelity, family poverty, parental conflict, or being one of many children. Sometimes they were given to friends, but more often than not, they were abandoned to the elements and death resulted from hypoglycemia and hypothermia. Sometimes the infant was devoured by the dogs that scavenged public places. It was likely, however, that they were rescued from these fates and picked up by slaves. Abandonment generally occurred in a public place where it was hoped that the infant could be taken up by some wealthy person. If picked up by wealthy persons, the child could become a slave, a play companion for another child, a pet, or a prostitute. It could could be sold for begging purposes after mutilation or becoming a truly adopted child, a treasured alumnus. This comes from Christian Caligulish of Apologetics. This is a dad of a son that all the community would say, why are you hanging on to him Get rid of that child. It's holding you back. Now you see a little bit of what this dad had in his heart. But I have to believe this dad, after going this long with his son, had given up hope. Now we talked about the mountaintop, but there's some of you in this room that are in the valley right now. And for some, you might think, well, Terry, I'm not all the way in the valley. No, I want you to hear what the valley is. Here's what the valley is. The valley is any place that you end up where you're facing either a situation, a sin, or a relationship, or something that you can't overcome. And you've lost your belief that you can overcome it. If you have lost your faith and belief that you can overcome, you're in the valley. And a dad has been in the valley for so long that I'm sure he sat there and said, I don't think anything can be done. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you spend too much time in the valley, you tend to lose your faith. When you spend too much time in the valley, when you say things like, I doubt anything can change, I don't think it'll get better, you've lost your faith. And I want you to see what Jesus says to this dad because the dad comes running and says, here's the situation, my son has tried to kill himself countless times. He's possessed. They couldn't do anything about it. Jesus, help. Take a look at what Jesus said. Jesus said to them this. Don't miss this. You faithless people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? 
bring the boy to me. Now, some of you are like, dang, Jesus, that was harsh. No, Jesus was mad at the disciples and the religious leaders for arguing about the fact of who could heal the boy. They're distracted by what's most important. And now you've got a dad who loves his son and saying, Jesus, help. And Jesus says, how much longer must I put up with you? So watch this. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has, he been, has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. If you can. If you can. There are many of you in this room that I looked into the eyes of Jesus at one moment and said, Dear Jesus, help us if you can. If you can. I want to tell you something. If you've ever uttered the word, if Jesus, if, you're spending way too much time in the valley. Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and some of you are not believers, and that's fine, but I want you to pay really close attention. The truth on the mountaintop is Jesus is the Son of God that died for your and my sin and beat death. The truth is he can do anything he wants to do. The truth is you can do all things through him who give you strength. That's the truth on the mountaintop. And some of us, we need to revisit the mountain to remember who we are and who he is in us. But somehow, some way, we get all the way down to the valley and we get so paralyzed, we say, God, I don't know if anything can change. So if you, if you, the son of God, if you who gives all the power in the world can do anything, then go ahead and do it. How do we get to the valley to where we start doubting what God can do in our lives? If you're taking notes, write this down. Doubt is the enemy of belief. Doubt is the enemy of belief. And some of you have been sitting in this valley for so long, you don't think anything can change. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate your possibilities. Don't allow the valley to dictate your future. Don't allow the valley to tell you that you're done. Jesus doesn't want you to stay in the valley that long. The valley's not bad, folks. Let me remind you of something. I need valleys in my life to remind me that I need God. I need valleys in my life to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you, but I believe in you and I can do this and I'm going to move forward because I believe in you. Write this down, valleys are God's tool to point you back to the mountain, to truth. Watch what Jesus says, and I'm done. Watch what Jesus says to the Father. What do you mean, if I can? Terry, what do you mean, if I can? Go back to the truth. Remember who I am. You can, and you will. I'm done. A belief. Next screen. A belief in what God can do in you is the first step towards finishing. I want you to sit here for just a second. And if you're stuck in a valley or if you've been hanging on the mountain way too long, here's the questions I want you to talk to God about. What is it that you don't think you can overcome? And if this moment during this song, I want you to sit there, talk to God and say, God, I no longer want to say if, because you can And if you're over here on the mountain, and if I were to ask you this week, what are you doing this week 
to tell people about the love that God gives you. If you don't have a plan this week, if you don't have a purpose this week, you have been hanging out on the mountain way too long. And it's time to get off and get moving. But sit for just a second. And I want you to listen to Tangina. And I want you to listen to the song and talk to God. Tangina.
Father, right now in this room, I just lift up so many individuals, Lord, that I can read on their faces that they want to finish and they want to move and they want to do what you call them to do. But God, like in life, we get distracted, we get stuck, we end up in the valley too long or the mountaintop too long. And so God, help us to move. God, give us your power, your grace, and your strength. Give us the steps starting today that we need to take to begin to make change, to make a better future because you called us to it. So God, I ask that you would bless every family, every decision that has been made in this room. I pray against the enemy. Don't allow him to steal it. Don't allow him to change the narrative. But God, you are truth. And on the mountain, we need that truth to remind us that you are God and we could do all things through you. We bless you, Lord, today. And we love you. In Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.